You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 66 of the Comic Book Informer. It is Wednesday, February 22nd. As usual, I'm Vince, along with Roger. What's up today, buddy? My card is ripped. That's not cool. Oh, and we got a call, so we got to pause anyways. Somebody's going to get it. Maybe they're calling about your card. Yeah, really. We're very sorry about your Ace of Spades. (laughs) Not everybody hates Jacob. (laughs) Come on. And here, I thought we had no outtakes. I'm doing fine. How are you? Uh, hanging in there, hanging in there. Well, that's the best you can ask for some days. <laughs> As I mentioned last week, uh, I kind of wanted to start looking into some more older stories instead of just talking about all the new stuff that comes out. Because to be perfectly honest, most of the new stuff right now is just pissing me off to one degree or another. So either the podcast is going to be talking about comics we hate, which will cause one of us to quit eventually, or it'll become the Batman and Spider-Man show, which Not isn't necessarily that bad. a bad thing. <laughs> but think somebody would want to hear about something different every once in a while wolverine and the x-men there you go (laughs) there are a few gems in there it's just it's gotten a little bit harder to actually find them so in order to get away from the batman and spider-man show this week we're talking about (laughs) spider-man more specifically a story (laughs) i went outside of the box for mine all right you went hmm we're talking too much about spider-man lately I know what we'll do. Retro (laughs) Spider-Man. This is a story I've really been wanting to talk about for a while, because uh, as I'm sure you remember, I chose it as one of the five best storylines ever. Ever. So I've really been wanting to to get a hold of this. And we're talking about Craven's Last Hunt from 1987. And personally for me, like I feel the mid to late 80s was an absolute iconic time for the comics industry. You had just amazing stuff going on. this work Frank Miller was doing with Batman and Daredevil, uh, all the stuff Alan Moore did, Watchmen, Batman, it, you name it, Chris Claremont on X-Men. And, and aside from that, you had all these iconic characters, uh, Thor, Iron Man, even Teen Titans and freaking Superman. I hate Superman. All operating at their top of their games, not just popularly, but just creatively, just firing on all cylinders. And Spider-Man was no exception at the time. Uh, For this particular storyline, it ran, started in Web of Spider-Man number 31, uh, continued into Amazing Spider-Man 293, and then Spectacular Spider-Man 131, and then following up those uh, same comics the next month, uh, ran for two months, October and November, back in 1987, written by J.M. DeMatteis with art by Mike Zeck. And I I have a hard time thinking of a more iconic Spider-Man story than this. See, I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to say I didn't enjoy it. I really did enjoy it quite a bit. But it's not as high on a pedestal for me. And part of that is also because I didn't read it at the time. Obviously, I had stopped reading comics. Neither did I. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know that I would put it that high on a pedestal in terms of the best Spider-Man story out there. I, again, thoroughly enjoyed it. But I don't think that I would put it in the uh, in the it definitely in the in the top three. But I don't think I'd give it top spot. Hmm. What would you consider? About- I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that far ahead. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know there'd be a quiz. 
fantastic storylines over the years. I mean, the death of Gwen Stacy, uh, the death of Gene DeWolf, Spider Island. I mean, well, see, there, there's been what... some fantastic Spider-Man stories over the years. Just I, I personally, this this is just one of those stories that sticks with me. See, again, I mean, you, you right there with the death of Gwen Stacy. Um, I don't know that you could put anything above that it, myself. I mean, even when we read um, Spider-Man Blue just recently and talked about it on the show, I mean, when you look at the depth of the writing, the depth of the character progression and the, the depths that he goes through and everything and the emotional turmoil and how fantastic the story was wrapped around all that and then compare that to this... Personally, I can't put them on a level playing field, which isn't taking anything away from Craven's Last Hunt. It, w it was a great story with lots of introspective, but I also did see some flaws. And just by virtue of the fact that it was more an action story than a character driven, st well, it was character driven too, but more so, of course, for Craven. I just, mm -hmm. I couldn't put it above something like Gwen Stacy's death. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like you picked, you know, one moment in time as your favorite Spider-Man story. Oh, dear story. Lord! There, there, that, there's always Fire going me to be now. Room, <laughs> room for argument and preference in it. So I, I I can't argue with anybody who says, oh, this isn't the best. I felt it was. Other people felt it was. Some people don't. That's perfectly okay, as long as your favorite isn't one moment in time or oh, yeah. one more day. One or... more day. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, the first thing I want to touch on here is the art, because this is probably as close to a Batman comic as Spider-Man has ever looked. I, I Almost every scene takes place at nighttime. It's raining. It's dreary. But it fits in the tone. Uh, Mike Zek did a great job. Really interesting panel layouts, especially for the time. This Back in the 80s, a lot of things were still stuck in, you know, the grid. And while this didn't, you know, break out of the grid like, you know, modern comics do, it it did enough with the panel layouts to really set the tone and drive things forward. And also Bob McLeod just had these really dark, heavy inks, lots of black in here. And very rarely does a dark Spider-Man story work. And this one did. Yeah, I agree. The, the, the artwork was quite good. Um, I would say... Well, I, I mean, it's it's quite good even by today's standard, but especially by the the standards back then. Oh yes, yeah. I it was it's quite well done. Yeah, this could be on the stands today, and it would be better than half the stuff out there. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're looking at the actual story here. <sighs> on the surface, this is hardly even a Spider-Man story. It's really a Craven story. Craven had been a Spider-Man villain for almost the longest time. He debuted in Spider-Man issue 15, so he's been around for a long time. But he never presented much of a threat to Spidey because, you know, when, you, when you're battling Doc Ock and the Sandman, this dude who runs around in a loincloth and doesn't really have any powers, there's not much, you know, physical threat there. Uh, but it's, as the story starts off, you just see this depressed and withdrawn Craven. how... He's sad, not just for himself, uh, that he's never been able to defeat Spider-Man, but all these things in his life are just kind of crashing down on him because he knows he's getting older. He's getting slower. You know, his, his life is on the downslope and things like uh, the fall of Russian society for him or the, you know, the, the loss of honor that his parents felt when they had to move to America and became you know poor. It, it's really broken him down and he built himself back up over the years restored his own honor through his hunting and all these fantastic things but 
there's always been one prey that's eluded him over the years. Of course, Spider-Man. That work that's just gone unfinished, he can't finish his life without accomplishing that. And he takes all of these depressing thoughts and just personifies them, not so much in Spider-Man himself, but he sees that Spider-Man represents this larger figure of the spider that is just the cause of every ill in the world. And you can tell he's kind of starting to break down at this point mentally. Just a bit, you think? (laughs) It gets worse later. (laughs) He's he's a little loopy. Come on, let's be honest here. And see, part of the the problems that I had with this as well was just that, that character. He's not a character that I've ever taken seriously. He's not a character that I can see being formidable in any way, shape, or form to pull this off. So again, you're... As the writer of this series, you need me to suspend my disbelief long enough that I can buy this. And I have such a hard time buying it that it's it's hard to enjoy it. And then the character himself is such a mockery of himself. He's... I, by towards the end, it was like, okay, I get it. You're depressed about having to leave Russia, having lost everything, then the fortunes and the, 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 the whatever his father was again, and, and all the title and everything, and you really don't like America, and you're not happy there, and you oh my God, the spider, you've had it with him. And it's like, oh, enough's enough. Especially, especially with the other series we're going to be covering next week, it's like, okay, enough. I get it. You're not happy here. But... <laughs> he's just not a happy man he's not and it was like i don't know it's maybe had it been another villain i could have taken it a little bit more seriously but with him it was just always just such a farce in even these moments when you're supposed to buy into how depressed he is because of the ending and what it it leads into it's like eh, i really i i can't feel for the character at all hmm all right. Well, as the story progresses, I think Craven also kind of caught a lucky break here. And yeah, there are some coincidences that you kind of just have to chalk up to comic books, where he also catches uh, Peter at one of his lowest points, where he's just, Peter himself is just really withdrawn and he's suffering from all these fears of mortality, not just himself, but those around him Aunt May, Mary Jane. Um, Ned Leeds. An associate of his has, his had just died. And so, Pete's off his game, which allows Craven to kind of gain the upper hand here. And Craven, at least presumably, kills Spider-Man and then buries him. And that's just that was just a great bit there. The the little funeral they held, and then the beginning of the next issue, where you see what looks like Spider-Man standing over his own grave, only to have it revealed that it's Craven in the costume. And it, just point out, this is during the black costume Spidey era, uh, before we knew that it was an alien symbiote, et cetera, et cetera. So even that lends to the darkness of the feel of the story. And I've always loved that black costume, too. Oh, yeah. Way better and, than anything else he's ever had. Yeah. And when you get an artist who just nails it like this, perfect. Yeah, I agree. So Craven's going around masquerading himself as Spider-Man, but... Why? Because he wants to show that beating Spider-Man in a in a fight isn't just enough. He has to be better than Spider-Man. So he goes out and starts doing the things that Spider-Man never could do. You know, 
to a more violent end with the criminals. Uh, even going so far as to chase after the one villain that Spider-Man was never able to defeat alone, uh, this half-rat, half-man hybrid vermin. So he he's masquerading as Spider-Man, still being the hunter, and trying to prove himself that he is better than the spider. Nothing? Okay. <laughs> and, I, I, I can say something, but it won't be nice. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. Simultaneously, we get Mary Jane's side of the story because Pete's been gone for a while now. Uh, they were just married, which, mind you, at the time was as big of a controversy as their marriage ending was a couple decades later. And she actually meets up with, well, what she thinks is Spider-Man, realizes that there's no way that's Pete, has her own fear and depression that she goes through. It's a recurring theme in the story here. And, well, of course, all the way in issue four, they actually kept Pete out of this for quite a while. I have to respect them for that. It, this became seriously a Craven comic for two and a half issues. And back down at issue four, okay, he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow he comes out of the grave, drugs, superpowers. He's not dead. Let's just go with it. <laughs> Craven knew this, though. He never intended to kill Peter because he wanted more than just to defeat him physically. He wanted to defeat him psychologically. He wanted Spider-Man himself to know who was the better man. And it just plays into this weird mindset that Craven himself was in. Okay, no. I, I can say something yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, that part I liked a little bit more. That part I enjoyed and whatnot. Um, again, with, with Vermin, it's another yet another villain that it's like, mm, I really... It, we've seen Spider-Man do so many incredible things. You're telling me that he can't take down Ratboy? Well, mm. to this point, that's the only villain he'd come up against that he hadn't defeated. Yes, I know, but I think they're blowing that out of proportion. I well, mean, they're making that or come up with something new. Yeah, they're making such a huge deal about it, and it's quite likely that when it was written as such way back when, that it was just, oh, let's just have Captain America help him with it. You know, it wasn't such a huge deal that here's a villain that he can't beat. I mean, come on, give me a freaking break. It's like Pied Piper with rats. <laughs> really, you're telling me that this is the ultimate challenge for a Spider-Man? No, I don't buy it. So, again, that's why when he makes such a huge deal about that, that here's the villain that I'm going to beat that you never could, it's like, ah, oh, geez. The whole thing about burying him alive, though, although we've seen that so many times, like in TV and different series and whatnot, it's it worked for here because it is, I like the fact that it wasn't about killing him. It was mm -hmm. about showing him up. It was about proving something to himself as well as to uh, Parker. So that part I did actually really like. And I think that's one role where I think Craven, as the villain of the story, could have played that better than just about anybody else in Spider-Man's rogues gallery. Yeah, quite likely. Because mm -hmm. just because of his the, the egotistical side of Craven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well. What I really found interesting about this, though, once he comes back from the dead, his first instinct isn't to go after Craven. It's to go back to Mary Jane. And this is where we see an interesting divergence in the characters here, because so much of their motivations in the story, both for Craven and for Spider-Man and even Vermin as well, has been motivated by their fear. Craven's fear of the spider, uh, Spider-Man's fear of what would, like, the mortality. And it would have been very easy for Peter to go straight after Craven, but it shows that 
there is something in Peter's life that Craven and even Vermin didn't have, that positive influence that keeps Peter Peter instead of becoming the spider. Because the spider would have wanted the revenge immediately. Yeah, but you're buried alive for two weeks. You wreck <laughs> Craven's friggin' <laughs> little zoo, and then you go see Mary Jane. Again, buried alive for two weeks. Spider powers. I'm thinking I Comics. go back, I'm not going to be making out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there might be a hug. There might be some tears shed. There might be some, this was really bad. I could really use a glass of wine. Something. <laughs> but <laughs> making out? <laughs> Come on, really? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> that's I'm looking at the page right now. I mean I know, seriously. I, are you I'm telling not, me not that arguing. you get buried alive for two weeks? You bust out. You've got a madman on the loose impersonating you and killing people. Your first thought when you get back home is getting it on with the girl. If I were married to Mary Jane? Seriously? <laughs> It's not like it's the first time he's nailed her. It's happened before they're married. Really, this is... I Okay, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Peter finally does confront Craven, we see a very different Craven than we did earlier in the story. He's at peace. Now he knows, he has proven to himself who truly is superior. And what's, again, what's interesting here is now that Craven has defeated the spider, you know, this mythical entity he's made up, only the man, the, the actual Spider-Man remains, and Craven could have easily let Spider-Man die, but he chose not to. That now he he sees that Spider-Man himself maybe isn't that bad, you know, but and, and how he was he realizes he was projecting some of his fears onto Spider-Man as the spider. And as he even says, everybody has their own spider. And uh, Peter carries his own spider through this story in my eyes, that the, the fear and all the pressure he puts on himself, that's his spider. And through this story, Peter even conquers his own spider and comes out at the end a more full character himself. See, the ending with between the two of them was yet again something else that I couldn't buy. I mean, again, the fight with Vermin, which I don't care if he's weakened or whatever. Yeah. We've seen him punch through freaking buildings. Come on, really? Seriously? Even with the sniffles, I don't think this would pose too much of a problem. But then Craven coming to his rescue is a cliched writer's plot. I, I, I didn't like that. And then at that point, he's helping Spider-Man up the stairs. Seriously? Spider-Man was buried by him for two weeks, and he's going to just let him help him up the stairs. And then the whole bit of... Again, you're going to want to have to go after Vermin because you can't let someone like that loose in the world. But then by that point, he's able to bounce out the window and he's zipping along. It's like he recovers apparently pretty fast. There was way too much that was cliched in it that I, I just, it, it, it kind of made me roll my eyes. See, I, I'm not going to say the actual story was perfect. Just for me, the tone, the symbolism, and every – see, not symbology, symbolism. Symbol, that's a good boy. You can learn. <laughs> and just everything the story represents on the larger scale is really what set Craven's Last Hunt apart from anything else for me. And I can I can respect that. 
Although I, I disagree in terms of how I read it. Okay. And like we said, that's okay. Still, if you are a Spider-Man fan, this is definitely a story I would recommend for anybody to read. Even if you're not a Spider-Man fan, if you just like comics, I feel this is definitely a great story that anybody needs to read. And you agree. Thank you. I had already made my point in the last yeah, sentence. I, 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 well, whatever. So I will come up, though, with my list of favorite story arcs. I will. Okay, and not, and okay. not anytime soon, but I will. It's, at one point, I'll spring it on you. Do you remember when we talk, talked about this? And we'll see how many of them co-star Wolverine. A few of them might. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually have a, a follow-up to this plan for next week. So be sure to listen next week because... Yeah, 25 years later, uh, Marvel and their Spider-Man writers actually come up came up with what I felt was a very solid follow-up to the story, though I can already tell you have some issues as well. <laughs> I may disagree with some of what you have to say next week. It won't Always be surprising to our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, as for what else we've been reading this week, uh, I really only have one to talk about, and that's Thief of Thieves, the uh, recent new comic to come out of Image. I like what they're doing here. Robert Kirkman, who everybody knows, is handling the overall story and then leaving the scripting to Nick Spencer in this issue. Nick Spencer is a writer I've had a back and forth relationship over the years. He's done some really interesting stuff, but he's also written some stuff that's just not been good. <laughs> I, I know you've read uh, at least some of his work on Morning Glories and you can tell that, yeah, there's some good there, but there's also a lot bad. So having Kirkman guiding the story and just letting Spencer do the actual dialogue and the writing, I think, really lends to a very interesting comic here. And keeping with the theme of what I've really been enjoying lately, this is a real-world comic. It's looking to just be your typical heist sort of story, but told in this twisted, different way. I'm really looking out right now for anything that's not superhero related, and this is really fitting the bill for me. I actually have to read it. It's on my pull list. I need to get it, uh, but I haven't yet. Okay. And what have you got for us this week? I've only got a few myself as well. I got caught up on Red Lanterns because I was trailing a little behind. And as with many other DC titles, I'm at the point where it's like, okay, fix it or... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tapping out. On out. Yeah, I'm very, very close to saying that's it. I've had it with that one. I read... The Justice League Beyond that you mentioned last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was disappointed. Really, I was quite disappointed. Although it was the first one, so I can see what they're doing. But it was like, wow, that's it? I wasn't I wasn't thrilled. Not at all. Um, I read Avenging Spider-Man number four. Also not impressed. <laughs> Proving yet again that Hawkeye is just a freaking jackass. He's yeah, just no, a but... terrible character. <laughs> terrible, terrible character. And the whole bit at the end is so contrived and cliched that it was like, oh, if it wasn't for the fact that I have so much love for the first three issues, that alone would have been enough for me to say, well, I guess I'm done with this series as well. Stupid Hawkeye. Oh, man, it was bad. It was just terrible and this whole needing to make him into someone that you can relate to and that's why he's who he is and that whole crap psychology was like oh it was it was crap psychology cliched piece of 
I'm, I'm, I don't want to have to find the swear filter. That's why I'm containing <laughs> myself right now because it's always work. <laughs> it's like, no, I just, I was really, really disappointed in, in that one. Really, really. To the point where I would tell people, if you're collecting the series, get one to three, skip four, and then hopefully five will be better. <laughs> and then I also read the new Avatar, The Last Airbender. And that's the promise that's part out. one. Yes. If it's not, I well, I was sent it to to read over. Um, <laughs> it is freaking cool. Now, as someone that really, really loves Avatar like so much, um, it's it's Avatar. It's it's the whole wacky facial expressions and everything. And so I really enjoyed it a lot. And then of course it progresses on the story. So I. I'm highly recommending this one to anyone who loved the series. I'm definitely have to look for that one. Yep. Have you uh, actually had a chance to read any of uh, Remender's Secret Avengers yet? No, I haven't actually. What's hilarious is um, Hawkeye is the central character in that book now. <laughs> I got I seriously I've got no love for that character <laughs> at all at all at all. I. <laughs> and what, what's what's great is I still hate Hawkeye in every single panel of that book. But the comic itself is entertaining and fun. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, no, I'll read it. But again, in everything I've seen him in, throughout a multitude of writers, different series, I've never liked the character, ever. So, I, uh. That's why I liked the uh, Spider Island tie-in, because it was 22 pages of Hawkeye being made to look like an idiot. Even that, I still, I hated it. I mean, I hate the entire story when he's in it. I don't care if they're making fun of him. I still hate it. So I guess uh, the good recommendation for you would be Avengers Disassembled, because that's where they killed him. I'd be all right with that one, maybe. And he went out like an absolute chump, too. Mm. Okay, maybe. (laughs) Why'd they bring him back, then? Because he's a fan favorite. How can he be? Ah, no. No. I don't buy it. People like him. (laughs) <laughs> I don't get it that much either. But. Stupid people like him. <laughs> All right. Well, on to this week's new releases. Uh, from Marvel, we have Avengers Academy, number 26. Fantastic Four, number 603. New Mutants, number 38. Secret Avengers, number 23, starring Hawkeye. But this is also the issue where Venom joins the team, so... Interesting stuff going on there. Ultimate Spider-Man number seven, Uncanny X-Force number 22, Venom number 13.3, continuing circle of four, uh, Wolverine and the X-Men number six, X-Men Legacy number 262, and the X-Men Age of Apocalypse omnibus hardcover. Uh, It's got a hefty price tag, but it's over a thousand pages of comic. Um, Personally, the Age of Apocalypse, I didn't feel it was very good story (laughs) but it's a great setting and it's always interesting to see familiar characters in an unfamiliar setting and it gives people a chance to see what the big deal is about before the age of apocalypse comic starts up uh very soon i think next month yeah soon all right on dc we've got aquaman number six remember a month ago i was saying if you want to make aquaman cool take him out of the ocean drop him in the middle of the desert they listened guess what they did in issue number five (laughs) Literally dropped him into the middle of a desert. Guess what? Aquaman's still not cool. He could never be cool. He's a, uh, he's a freaking chump. <laughs> Aside from that, we've got Flash number six, Green Lantern, the New Guardians number six, and issue six for Justice League Dark. Uh, 
I actually skipped a couple issues of that. <laughs> I liked, I checked out issue five. I kind of like the note it ended on. I'm still hopeful for that series. I gave up on it. I can't blame you, though. Yeah. <laughs> and to round out the list, from Boom Studios, you've got Incorruptible number 27. As Mark Wade mentioned on Twitter this today, this is the beginning of the final story arc for that. Uh, Incorruptible and Irredeemable will be coming to an end very soon. From IDW, we've got Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> issue 7. <laughs> <laughs> And Transformers Robots in Disguise, number two. And then from Image, we have yes. two, number 24, and Morning Glories, Man. number 16. Dude. So that's going to... Yeah, go ahead. Turtles. <laughs> that's becoming one of my favorite series right now. I look forward to every issue. How cool is that? Freaking 41 years old, I still look forward to Turtles. <laughs> as long as you don't start buying all the toys, we can... It's okay. Action figures. You can buy a couple. <laughs> Actually, I don't have any. There. There's a job for our fans. Send me turtles. <laughs> Please note, he doesn't want a real turtle. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that package showing up at the front door. Yeah. Dad, what's that smell? <laughs> anyway, that's going to finish us up here for issue 66 of the Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. And be sure to join us next week because if you were interested in what we had to say about Craven's Last Hunt, good or ill, you will be interested in hearing what we have to say next week as well. Yeah, because Grim Hunt sucked. Seriously? <laughs> You're fired. Go on. I'm going to make my own comic. Hold, hold on a second. <laughs> God. I've lost all faith in you. You're, you are incapable of liking anything as far as I can tell. Really? Is that a fact? Yeah. Okay. It's not true. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've liked plenty of things you've suggested, but this just, I mean, really, Grim Hunt was just not cool. I'm just like, I got one in issue left, so maybe the fourth part will redeem the whole thing. Because up until then, it's like, wow, I've read far better. I'm not far saying it's better. the greatest, but I really, really liked it. Seriously? Not even yes. in my top 10? Not even in my top 20? <sighs> Disappoint. I quit. Okay. <laughs> I'll get tarred on. Tart can be the co-host now. <laughs> well, that's easy because she likes everything. She, she knows comments. No, that's Joe. <laughs> Joe, be like, buy this, it's great. Buy this, it's great. This too. <laughs> but she likes Thor. You have to find a co-host that doesn't like Thor. No, I need somebody who does, just to create that angst whenever it's mentioned. If you notice, I haven't mentioned it in a long time because right. it sucks right now. <laughs> oh. Knock me over with a freaking golden feather. Yeah, not surprising. All right, that's that. <laughs> Jerk. Oh, come on. Really? <laughs> Jesus. A little defensive of comic books that you did not write. <laughs> I felt like I had. It was really... I have a connection to these things. All right, I'm hanging up on you. Good. Okay, all right then. <laughs> Maybe I'll see you next week. Maybe I won't. You can take the week off. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I will with an attitude like that. 